Well, awesome. Well, listen, as we're getting into John uh, chapter 12 today, um, I, just, uh, I just love reading from this passage. Uh, not only is this uh, event uh, recorded in all four of the Gospels, there's just so many different characters, so many integral parts that making uh, this event happen. And I still remember as a kid uh, being in, in church in Sunday school and reading through this passage and thinking, wow, it was so crazy that Jesus was coming in on a donkey. Uh, or, you know, people were literally taking their clothes and these branches and throwing them on the ground for Jesus. And, and I, I still remember to this day, uh, preachers and, and our Sunday school teachers reading about this and, and teaching about it. I remember after church, we'd always get, uh, it would always be taught on Palm Sunday, the Sunday before Easter, and we would leave church and we'd always get those, those uh, palm branches. And I remember after church with my friends, we would whip each other with all the palm branches. And then I remember, you know, taking more palm branches from the, from the ushers and whipping in people more. And we walk away with these little paper cuts on our hands, but we were just excited. And I remember the following year, they stopped handing out the palm branches because we kept taking them and whipping each other with it. And so that's just how it's kind of helped me remember this story. I'm sure you all have different experiences for yourself and why you remember this. That's just how I remember it. That's just my ADD and, and just, you know, my experience. And so I'm excited as we read about this passage this morning because I believe that in the season that we are in currently and in the circumstances that we're experiencing, it's not that much different than uh, what we are about to read about. And, and I believe today, I know that we're all tired of COVID, we're all tired of this pandemic, yet unfortunately, we're still living in it. And we're still feeling ripple effects, and, and it's still affecting our circumstances, and it's affecting um, how we go about our days, and it's affecting our plans. And, and, and it's just, you know, sometimes, I'm going to be honest, I, I don't always feel like I'm in the best emotional state because of the circumstances. And so I believe today that as we read this scripture and this passage, as we're, we're actually going to jump around from gospel to gospel to get a full understanding of what's happening in this moment I really believe that we can actually walk away and see God's truth and his word. And we can walk away with some peace and hope and joy and assurance that the same Jesus Christ that entered that city as being celebrated as king is the same king of our lives today. And I, I'm going to be honest with you, for whatever reason, I'm feeling a little bit anxious before I came up here. So if it's okay with you, I just want to pray before we get into the Word. Can we do that? And so, Father, we thank you again for who you are. We thank you for this opportunity. And, God, we're just proclaiming your Holy Spirit just to begin to speak, begin to move in our hearts, begin to move in our very souls this morning. God, whatever we came in with today, Lord, that we lay at the foot of the cross and we receive you. And we fix our eyes on you and your Word. And God, I pray today, it's, if anything, it's all you and nothing of ourselves. We thank you, Father. Speak with authority, speak with love, and speak with grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Awesome. So if you have your Bibles, go to uh, the Gospel of John. We're going to start in chapter 12, verse 9. And like I said, uh, because it's recorded in all the Gospels, we're going to jump around. Uh, so try to follow along with me, because uh, like I said, this is how my, my brain functions with my ADD. I like to see everything happening. I'm going to be jumping from here to there, and we're going to get somewhere, okay? But you just got to go with the journey, okay? Excellent. So in John chapter 12, starting in verse 9, it says, When the large crowd of the Jews learned that Jesus was there, they came not only on account of him, but also to see Lazarus 
whom he had raised from the dead. So the chief priests made plans to put Lazarus to death as well, because on account of him, many of the Jews were going away and believing in Jesus. So obviously the religious leader is not happy that people are following Jesus. And so now you jump to Matthew in chapter 21 and verse 1. It starts saying, now when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethphage to the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, go into the village in front of you and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. And if anyone says anything to you, you shall say the Lord needs them. And he will send them at once. Let's just stop there for a moment. Can you just imagine Jesus telling the two disciples, hey, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go take these donkeys. I want you to bring them to me. And if the owner of anybody comes and tries to stop you, tell them I need them. Can, Can you just imagine for a moment, imagine your biggest need right now. And Jesus just said to you, hey, Mike. Hey, what's up, Jesus? Hey, Mike. Listen, I need you to go and take this car and just take it. If anybody tells you otherwise, just tell them because the Lord needs it. Can you imagine just the sense of peace I would be in? Lord, I wouldn't have any car issues. I'd be a brand new vehicle. Thank you. How awesome would that be? All right, maybe not a car, but maybe at least a hoagie or something. Just like something to like, just go take it because the Lord needs it because I need it. Is that just me? Okay, maybe it is. Well, whatevs. Uh, here, 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 here's what happens. If you look at Mark and you have, uh, you have the disciples and they go and they listen to Jesus and they go and t- to get the, these donkeys. And it says in, in Mark 11, verse 5, and some of those standing there said to them, hey, what are you doing? Untying that colt. Like literally, again, this is just how my brain functions. It's like you have these disciples. They're trying to untie these donkeys. They're knowing they're literally taking them, stealing, okay? And you have people that are watching, even in Luke, it says that the owner shows up and says, hey, what are you doing untying my colts? Like, can you imagine what the disciples are going through? Like, act natural, somebody's coming. Oh, nothing. Hi, what a beautiful day. You know, it's just like, and they ask, and they say, what are you doing untying the colt? And they say, the Lord has need of it. Oh, well, okay, yeah, just go ahead and take them. You know, it's just like that sense of relief, like, Oh, and just like how every, let me, I don't want to jump ahead, but go, go back to John ch- uh, chapter 12. Everything in this story, everything that's happening in the gospel is coming together. From the, from the disciples going to get the donkey to the, the, the master of the donkeys allowing them to take it to this point where it says in John 12, verse 12, the next day a large crowd that had come to the feast had heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. And so they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him, crying out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the king of Israel. As Jesus found a young donkey, it's literally stolen, sat on it, and just as it was written, verse 15, fear not, daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. His disciples didn't understand these things at first, but when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things had been written about him and had been done to him. And the crowd that had been with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to bear witness. And the reason why the crowd went to meet him was that they had heard he had done this sign. And so the Pharisees said to one another, you see that you are gaining nothing. Look, the whole world has gone after him. 
So here's the scene. Jerusalem is packed. They're celebrating uh, Passover, so you have uh, everybody ar around the city coming and trying to enter the city. They're literally packing themselves in. And these rumors are spreading like fire that there's a guy named Lazarus who just a few miles away in a town called Bethany was raised from the dead. Four days he was in the grave and Jesus spoke and there he came out of the grave. And the people in the city, they're hearing these rumors. They're hearing what things are being said. It's like, hey, that's literally the next town over. That's not too far away from me. You know what? I, I'm going to go find this guy, Lazarus. I'm going to go talk to him. I'm going to go find this guy named Jesus. And I'm going to go see what he can do for me. See, at first glance, there, there's, there's nothing very triumphant about Jesus riding into Jerusalem on some pre-owned donkey over a bunch of worn clothes and, and palm leaves. Well, if we can examine this a little bit more, we can unveil the triumphant victory this entry was proclaiming. There's two things that stand out from this passage. Jesus' entry proclaims him as the Messiah. Well, what's so wonderful about this entry is not so much Jesus, not necessarily in what it looked like, but what it fulfilled. And John, we read there of, of, of something taken from Zechariah. That, that, that passage is found in Zechariah 9, verse 9. It says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. Righteous and having salvation is he. Humbled and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. If ever there was a question about who Jesus was, at that moment, it became very clear to people. Because Jesus, he was the Messiah, and every Jew would have known the messianic prophecy. And that's why the crowds were rejoicing and shouting with praise. And that's why they laid their clothes down and the palm leaves to, to give the full treatment of a king entering the city. They believed that, that they actually found their king that was going to free them of the Roman rulership over them. And they were right. They did find their king. But not in the manner which they supposed. So not only does this passage show us Jesus' entry, proclaim him as the Messiah, it also was a symbol of peace. If you look at the commentaries and if you look at what the historians were able to discover and the scholars were able to attest to this fact that ancient Middle Eastern culture, if there was a king riding on a horse, it was a symbol of war. But if there was a king that was riding on a donkey, it was a symbol of peace. And if you keep reading it in that prophecy in Zechariah 9, the next verse in verse 10, it says, I will cut off the chariot from Ephraim and the war horse from Jerusalem, and the battle bow shall be cut off. And he shall speak peace to the nations. His rule shall be from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. See, Scripture tells us that Jesus is the Prince of Peace. But the peace that Jesus has given to us is not the peace that this world can give us. It says in John 14, 27, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives, but I give to you. 
His entry into Jerusalem and into this world brought peace between God and man. That's why in Romans 1, Paul says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the only way we can truly live peacefully with God. Jesus' entry was a proclamation that he alone would reconcile every broken relationship. He would restore the lost in the fall of man. And at the time, the, the Jews, they believed that Jesus was coming to establish this earthly kingdom and upset the Roman rulership. And so they came out from everywhere to celebrate him. Hosanna. Praise to him, the king of Israel. See, in the middle of people's circumstances, in the middle of the stress and the chaos and the unknown, there's this moment of Jesus entering the city that points us for what God wants us to never forget. And before, before we continue to unpack this, I just want to say this. Listen, I don't know what circumstances you came in here today with. I don't know what your hardships are. I don't know what your struggles have been. I don't know if it's been financial struggles. I don't know if it's been work struggles. I don't know if it's just been issues in, in, in the household. I don't know. And to be honest, you know, even as a pastor, sometimes I don't have all the answers. I don't even know. But what I do know is in who God is and who Jesus is. And that even in the moment of our circumstances, that we can, ex we can still experience these gifts that God has for us. And so I want to encourage you as we get into this, I want to ask you some questions. In the middle of your circumstances, are we seeing what God has made available to us? Because God wants us to never forget these things. In the middle of your circumstance today, church, is Jesus still your peace? In the middle of your circumstance, is Jesus still your peace? Because when we look around us right now, there it doesn't feel like there's peace. What we see on the news or what we, what we hear on our media or what we're seeing on social media, it's hard to see that there's peace. I keep feeling like these ripple effects of what have happened through this pandemic keep stealing away my peace. I'm going to be honest with you all. All I want to do right now is just go to the beach. I want to sit on a beach. I want to swim in the water. I want to eat some really good food and do all that at the same time. The beach is a happy place for me. It's calming, it's relaxing. But now I'm being told that I have to wait two weeks in quarantine. My initial thought would be, okay, I can quarantine two weeks on a beach. <laughs> Give me that. No, no, no. You're quarantined two weeks in your room. Oh, heck no. Come on. That ain't happening. See, it, we are a culture, we, we make these plans. I have plans to go to the beach. And COVID keeps messing it up. 
I have plans to do this. I have plans to do that. Or, and then the circumstances around us happen and it ruins our plans. And we are, the, we are a culture and a humanity that where we love plans, but when things happen and mess our plans up, we panic. But we cannot forget, yes, our plans will change, but God's plans will not God still has a plan and a purpose. I don't think God made COVID happen, but you sure know that he's going to make something good out of every circumstance and every situation. Our plans will change, God's will not. Listen, church, we came together in the beginning of this year of 2020 and said, Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Did we not, church? Did we not pray and proclaim, God, I'm trusting in you with my plans, with my purpose, with my will. And God, I'm giving it to you. My future, the unknown, I'm trusting you. Make it happen. We as the body of Christ, we're experiencing together the most perfect time to put our faith and our trust back into God. That we shouldn't allow the circumstances around us make us even forget who God is. Just because we've experienced the change in circumstances doesn't change who God is. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so even though plans may change, we can still have peace knowing, God, you're in control. That's why I love when, 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 when Jesus sends these two disciples to go get the donkey. Jesus knowing, again, he's going to be crucified. He's going to be taking the weight and the sins of the world and that he has this calm plan and motion that they have no idea about. God doesn't ask you to do something that you have no idea why. And down the road, listen, let me, let me ask you this. Let's be honest. Let's be real. Have you ever experienced a time God was calling you to do something and you didn't see the end result? And every hand should be up in this moment right now. Come on. That's how God speaks. Go and do this. Go and do that. Go say this. And you're like, oh, okay. And in faith, you're like, you do it. But it's not until like down the road, you see the fruits of your faithfulness. And you're like, oh my gosh, God, that's awesome. Thank God I listened. Our God will use whatever he needs to use to carry out his purpose. He used men to get the donkey to fulfill the prophecy. He allowed the owner to have peace to release the donkey into their hands so that the donkey could, could carry Jesus, the Messiah, into the city and then down the road that led to him being crucified. We are in a culture that always struggles in trusting in God because we always get stuck with seeing the little. This is God. He doesn't show you the big picture all the time. 
but he still wants us to act in faithfulness. He still wants us to take the steps of faith and to trust. But us being imperfect people, we get stuck on the how. Well, how guys, how, how, how's that going to happen? How, how are you going to make this work? You, you, know, my, <laughs> you know my situation. Show me. <laughs> that never works. We're a culture that always gets stuck on focusing on the how. Like, let, let's just be real. Let's be honest. Like, how are we to go from calling them the Washington Redskins to the Washington football team? Like, that does not make sense. Who came up with that? Fire them. I know I kid, but, but in all seriousness, we get to this place. Like, how? How, how are we to make this happen? How, how, how am I to fix my, my, my family? How am I, how am I to, to, to pay for these bills? How am I to, to get the, this healing that everybody's telling me I need to get? See, we spend so much time focusing on the how that we forget the who that has called us. The who in that Jesus is. Have we forgotten who Jesus is? Jesus being the sustainer of life. Jesus being the light of the world. Jesus being the good shepherd, the true vine to the father, the door to his sheep, the resurrection and the way and the truth and the life. Who Jesus is, is who we should be focusing on and not so much the how. Because if we focus on Jesus and who he is, well, we don't have to worry about the how because we already know the end result that God's gonna come through. In the middle of your circumstances, is Jesus still your peace? I don't know about you, but if you get in the dumps this week, take some time to reflect on who Jesus is and get back your peace. Also in the middle of your circumstances, is Jesus your joy? Listen, I know with some of us today, you know, if we have... um, children, or maybe some of you have children who have children, and we're, we may not show that we have joy right now because we're not sure what to do in the fall with, with the kids. Like, we, we hear the plan, you know, but do we send them two days uh, a week, or do we, um, you know, do we transition to homeschool them? Like, 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 there's no joy in this moment for us right now. Like, I've, I've talked with several parents. It's like, I, I don't know how this is work. Have you met my kids? And I say, have you met mine? <laughs> it's like, how is this going to work? It's hard to get this joy in the circumstances. You know, we, recently we, we've been going in our youth ministry and talking about the various emotions that we experience and circumstances. And we talked about the differences between happiness and joy. And happiness we define not just as a sense of well-being or contentment, but it is the feeling that comes over you when you know life is good. And that's why it's hard to feel happiness when life isn't going well or is not good. English teachers don't throw rocks at me. But here's how we define joy. Joy is defined as the settled assurance that God is in control of every detail of our lives. Joy is defined as the quiet confidence that ultimately everything is going to be all right. Joy is defined as the determined choice to praise God in every and all situations. See, it's a completely different mindset and focus that even in the midst of what is happening around us, 
we can still walk in joy. It's not to say that we neglect the emotions that we feel, but at the end of the day, we know we can still have joy no matter what the circumstances are, no matter what the situation may be, no matter how hard it gets, there's still joy in knowing that we're taken care of by the one true God. I think sometimes we feel that our joy can get sucked out of us because we're trying to find joy in the wrong things. We try to find our joy and our passions in things that aren't of God, in the things that don't actually matter, or even in some cheap imitation. See, your joy will overflow when you know that joy is only generated by a relationship with Jesus Christ. Your joy is not generated by your status or by your job. Your joy is not generated by your position or your achievements or by your kids' achievements or lack of achievements. Your joy is not generated by your Facebook comments or your Instagram posts. See, the... The only way joy is overflowing in us is when it's generated through the knowing and assurance that it's through a relationship with Jesus Christ. So if you're struggling to get your joy back today, if you feel like you're constantly walking around mopey and and, and sad and hurt and offended and feeling like, man, this isn't where I want to stay. I need to find my joy back. Find where Jesus is. If, if you're trying to figure out how I can experience joy in my life, know Jesus. Don't know of Jesus because there's a difference of knowing of Jesus and knowing him personally. I can know of the things that Jesus has done, but until I actually know him by accepting in my heart and living a life that pursues him, then what, that is how I know Jesus. And if you want more joy, keep knowing more of Jesus. We don't get this joy because of us. It's because of who we know. And when who you know begins to reflect who you are, you find your true joy. So it's a shift in the mental focus on how we're going to live each day and each moment. If you want some encouragement, look at Philippians 4, 8 and verse 9. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Get to a place where you can shift your focus not on your circumstances, but on the God of the universe. In the middle of your circumstances, is Jesus still your peace? In the middle of your circumstances, is Jesus still your joy? And the last one I want to challenge you is this. In the middle of your circumstances, is Jesus still your king? You know, one of the things I just, there's so many things I love about this passage, but at the same time, there's a part of me that gets sad when I read this passage as well. Because in in the midst of this moment, people are hearing these rumors of, of what Jesus has done for Lazarus. And they're looking for what Jesus can do for them. They're, they're, they're going because they want to come and see for themselves who this king is. 
And they come and, and they see Jesus entering into the city on the back of a donkey and they immediately start thinking of the prophecy that they've heard over and over and over again. And they start to celebrate. They start, they start to lay down their clothes and they start laying down these branches and they start shouting, Hosanna! But a week later, we all know the story and that the circumstances have shifted and have changed. And the same people that were shouting Hosanna were then shouting crucify him. Have we forgotten who our king is? How, how can we go from having this, this, this moment and this encounter with God in our lives and just because the circumstances have changed, he no longer isn't the same? Why should we stop proclaiming, even in the midst of our circumstances, Jesus' reign in us? First Peter 1.8 says, Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not see him, you believe in him. And rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. Church, again, I don't know where you're at today. I just know we live in a different season that we haven't experienced before. And as much as we're tired of it, the fortunate thing is we're still going to have to get used to this season. But just because we have to get used to the season that we're in doesn't mean that we have to change the fact in who Jesus is in our lives and to neglect to speak out who our king is and what our king is capable of doing. Even though we may not see or feel God in the midst of our circumstances, we can't forget where he's brought us from. We can't forget what he's spoken that has yet to still happen. And we ourselves as the body of Christ can't stop from going and telling people. If you go back to that first passage, the reason why the crowd went to meet him was that they had heard he had done this sign. The crowd that was there when he rose Lazarus from the grave they continued to bear witness. Church, are we still bearing witness to our king? Don't worry, I'm wrapping up, kid. <laughs> Looking back at this passage, I keep thinking, what would happen if the people in this story didn't do what they did. Like, what if the, the owner, who we still don't know his name, we still don't know his history, we still don't know his story, all we know is that he gave away maybe his prized possession, maybe his only form of transportation. But like, like really, like in that moment, did he know that he was playing such a huge role that would impact generations after him? Or the disciples, even though they weren't sure 
they were questioning, like, all right, is Jesus really still telling us that we have to steal donkeys for him? Like, that's crazy. But if it wasn't for their faithfulness, would the prophecy still have happened? I think about these things, and I question these things, and I probably overthink these things from time to time. But I can't just help keep looking at, we all play a part in the story progressing. From being the crowd that just wanted to come and see, to being the crowd that would lay down clothes or lay down a, 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 a palm branch. That continued the story and the journey that, yes, it led to Jesus dying on the cross, but it also led to his resurrection and to his ascension and to the church being filled with the Holy Spirit and taking over the world with this good news gospel message. Church, we all have a part to play. And sometimes, I don't know if we get to this place, it's like we don't take a part because we feel like maybe our part is a little too insignificant or it may not be good enough. Or maybe we don't even step to, to add to the story because we're so focused on our own circumstances. Maybe our little, little part, how seemingly insignificant or undignified, or unrefined, or unusual, can actually help travel the King of Kings and the Lord and Lords, the Messiah, our Savior, a bit further down the road for those that may still seem lost, or maybe those that still have yet to hear who Jesus is. I don't, I don't know what your part is, but maybe your part is, is, is a small gift Maybe it's a gesture of generosity. Maybe in this time financially, it's like, I don't know what to give. I don't know if I can give anything, but you know what? I'm still going to give. Maybe in this, in this season that you're in, and where your where Holy Spirit, I believe, is beginning to speak right now, and how, how we are to, to give a small part. Maybe it's serving. Maybe it's serving in a ministry here to continue to reach people or maybe have been where you've been, or maybe going through what you have gone through. And to help lead them to know, listen, you're not alone. You're not alone with your thoughts. You're not alone with your anxiety. You're not alone with your circumstances. That, hey, we all go through it. But listen, there is a God that still loves us, and there's a God that has not given up on us, and there's a God that's still leading us to be a part of his good and perfect will. Maybe our shared gifts in the season, just like the owner giving away the donkey or the people throwing down their clothes and the branches or maybe the, giving the praise, a song to sing. It's adding to this chorus of voices that will rise above the city walls and cause others to come and see also. Church, in the middle of our circumstances, are we still going to see Jesus as our peace, and to see our joy. And as a, re, as a response, are we going to live our lives that still shows him as king over every area of our lives? And it's something that shouldn't just be where we say yes, but it should show in our lives. 
It should show in our actions. It should show in our households. It should show in our neighborhoods and our offices that we work in. It should show in our community, church. That yes, the circumstances are real. The circumstances can be hard. But our king reigns. Our God has not abandoned us. Jesus entering the city showed what he was willing to do to reveal to every one of us what it had to take for us to experience life with God our Father. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, whether you're in person, whether you're online, I just want us to pray. I want to pray for the Holy Spirit just to begin to speak to us. Some of us today, we, we need that reminder of that joy in Jesus. Some of us, we really need peace in this circumstance. And I also believe that the Holy Spirit is going to be speaking to some of us right now. Where there's been fear, where there's been being too comfortable, we have not added us, our small part to the continuation of the story of Jesus in our community. So Heavenly Father, I thank you for who you are. I thank you for this opportunity where we can worship you. Jesus, you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You are the Prince of Peace. And you have given us power and authority over every circumstance in our life. The good, the bad, the ugly, the unknown. And God, I pray today, Lord, that something rises up inside of us, whether it be your, your, your boldness and your courage, or may it be your, your love and your grace. May it just be your truth. That, only not, that, that not only that you are who you say you are, but we are in who you've called us to be and called us to go and do. Holy Spirit, begin to speak to us right now. What is our role in the season that we're in? Who do we need to go and, and, and tell, hey, come and see with me who this Jesus is? Heavenly Father, may we just come before you with a, an open heart and an open mind. We just surrender to you and to your spirit, but also celebrate and to speak and to lift our voice into who you are and what you are doing. We thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Church, can I have you stand with me? Here's how I want to close out today. I'm a firm believer in when God reveals something to us, we need to proclaim it. We need to speak it out. Because the more that we speak it out and the more that we proclaim it, the more that it becomes our reality. And so I want to encourage you, we're, we're, we're going to sing this song. We're going to um, the, the gra Graves in the Gardens. I want us to sing that, that chorus. Because 
We, we cannot forget what Jesus has done. We cannot forget what God has spoken over us. And we don't want to just go through the motions after we leave here today and just go back to the routine, but know that we take something with us and we carry this truth and we carry this promise. And we see change happen, not just in our own household, but in the lives around us. In Jesus' name. So before you leave today, I'm not, it, there's not going to be an official dismissal, but I want to encourage you, if you felt the Holy Spirit putting something on your heart today, that you proclaim it in this time when we, when we rejoice and we sing and we lift up the name of Jesus. And as you go into the world, let's have that mindset. It doesn't matter what our circumstance is. Jesus is my king. And let's make him known. Let's see him reign in our lives and the lives around us for the generations to come. Amen? Amen, church? Come on, let's praise him.